unto them, Should I leave my wine, which cheereth God and man, and go to be promoted over the, over the trees? Then said all the trees unto the bramble, Come thou and reign over us. And the brambles said unto the trees, If in truth ye anoint me king over you, then come and put your trust in my shadow, and if not, let fire come out of, of the bramble and devour the cedars of Lebanon. So let's take our text here tonight. Let's look at number one, if you will, the parable. Uh, the parable that's told by Jotham. Jotham has a chance and opportunity to stand before the men of Shechem who paid basically Abimelech some money and Abimelech became king and wiped out all the sons of Jerubbabel or the sons of Gideon. Now, what does this story mean? What is this parable? I, I, you say this is kind of a strange story that's being told. If you will see in verse number 9, the olive trees said unto them, Should I leave my fatness wherewith by they honor God and man and go to be promoted over the trees? If you'll see here, uh, 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 Jotham is trying to explain to them that what, what took place, how Gideon was offered to be the king. And Gideon told them no. And this is what he's talking about. He says, And the tree said to the fig tree, Come thou and reign over us. And the, hey, I, I'm not going to reign over you. And the fig tree said unto them, verse 11, uh, Should I forsake my sweetness and my good fruit and go to be promoted over the trees? See, what happened was, is that Gideon was asked to be the king. And Gideon told the, them, I don't want to be your king. Let God be your ruler. I do not need to be the king. God needs to be your king. And so Jotham is trying to illustrate to them what they did. The olive trees and trying to get the fig tree to rule over them. But what is, uh, they're trying to get somebody to be in a position in which they should not be in. And uh, that happens today. People are in positions they shouldn't be in. They're in power over something they shouldn't be in power of. But it happens. And it shouldn't. But it does happen. And here we go in the story. Here he is. Uh, they've come to Jotham. Sit down, babe. Sit down. And they come, Jotham comes and he stands before the children of Shechem. And he says, look, you guys have wanted something that God didn't want. God didn't want that. God did not desire that for you. And even, even at the end, at the end of the judging period, when, when God was done with the judges, he still did not want that. He still didn't want them to have a king. But because they wanted a king so bad, God allowed them to have a king. And it didn't always play in their favor to have a king. It did not always play in their favor to have a king. So, but he goes on, and the illustration is not over with the olive tree and the fig tree. Uh, and he talks about the good fruit, my good fruit. Did not Gideon have good fruit? Did not Gideon have some good things take place under, his, under him being a judge? Yes, he did. He had lots of good things happen. The 300 men and, and the things that took place there and how they were able to conquer and win... God saw things good, some good fruit. Uh, and then he said to the trees in verse number 12, and unto the vine, come thou and reign over us. See, what they're trying to do is they're trying to put somebody in a position 
they did not deserve to be. The fig tree did not deserve to be over the olive tree. And then the vine did not deserve to be over the olive tree. Uh, the, the vine is less strength, less strong as the olive tree is, just like a fig tree. And now, if you'll go to verse number 13, he talks about the vine. And he says, I can't leave the, I can't leave the, the wine and, and, which cheereth God. And verse number 14, then they come, then the trees come to the bramble. If I understand this, bramble is, is like the thorny, is, is the thorns, is like the, uh, the briar patch, if you will. And so it's, uh, it's wicked, it's evil, it's, it's not right. And so what happened was, is the children of Shechem, in this position, they went to Gideon. Gideon said no. They went, to, and they went, and they went, and they tried to find somebody until they found Abimelech, who was the bramble, who was the wicked, who was, do what, sir? He was the bad one. He was the rough one. He was the man who should never be in charge. He was not fit to be king. He was not fit to be in that position. He wasn't right for that position. And, and Jonathan was saying, look, look what you did. You had an opportunity to have the olive tree and the fig tree, but you chose the bramble because you wouldn't allow God to do his work because they wanted the things their own way. Their way was more important than God's way. Their way was more important than what God had to say. And they got the bramble. And that bramble is, man, it's, it's thorny. It's wicked. It'll tear you up. Ever been in a briar patch before? Ever got tore up by a briar patch? Yeah? You even know what I'm talking about? Yeah, things that stick you. That's right. They don't feel good. And what did they get when they got Abimelech? Biggest thorn in the world. <laughs> the moment he's promoted king, he walks down the road and kills 70 of his brothers, or 69 of his brothers. Was Gideon still alive at that time? I don't know. No. I would, uh, well, at the end of chapter 8, he dies. And the Bible talks about how he being, he being dead. So the children of Israel had their, their own way. Well, he had to know what kind of personality. Abimelech had. Right. And for him to refuse the kingship, mm -hmm. I'm talking about Gideon. Right. Uh, it was just kind of left up in the air. And then Abimelech thought, well, nobody's coming forward, so I'll just be the king. Yeah. And yeah. that's when all hell broke loose. Because of his wickedness. You know, um, that's I think God gives people insight. I don't know if that's why Gideon said no. I don't know if he truly wanted to please God and said, no, we don't need a king. We just need men of God to judge and, and to not, not to be the ruler and the man to make. Maybe being a judge was enough. Yeah. And then you have this wicked man who did not deserve to be in that position, who took the position. And the reason he killed his brothers was so that he could secure that position. And that bramble will tear you up, will mess things up. And someone who doesn't deserve to be in leadership will do the exact same. They will tear things up. And it will be ugly. And it will be wicked and wrong. Just like what took place here. 
Yes, sir. Well, what, what <coughs> tracked down at Jotham? Well, I would say that he tries because at the end of verse number 21 is the last one, the last verse that we'll read, is Jotham runs and hides. Well, I, I see that, but uh, Abimelech is a crazed man. Well, of course, to go in and, and kill all of his brothers like he's that. He's got to be looking. Yeah, of course he is. Of course he is. Jotham had to have some strength and courage and boldness because in that text, he even mentions about God. So he understood who God was. He knew who God was and what God had intended for the children of Israel. But John, he wanted to make sure that Shechem knew that they were in the wrong. And they were wrong for doing what they did. They were wrong for choosing that evil man, Abimelech, to be king. Anyway, any thoughts or questions? Well, you know, every time that Israel wanted to do their own thing, they always got in trouble. Yes, right? they did. That's right. I, I can't understand. They got the bramble. Why Jotham didn't sneak around and try to kill Abimelech. Yeah. Well, I mean, evidently, uh, Abimelech had some power behind him. Because in, verse, in the first five verses, those men paid, gave Abimelech a bunch of money. So, I mean, he had, he had the backing. Yeah. So, not only did Abimelech have the backing, but he had the men. I believe Brother Wade was, he was telling me that he was doing some research after last week talking about how those men went in there and killed, killed all those brothers. And share that, share that. Do you remember that verse that you shared with me? Yep. He, he, uh, in the verse, it tells how he hired vent and light men, which were mm -hmm. troublemakers. Mm -hmm. And one theologian the Red said they may have hired 70 men, but he had a large group following him. And then the men from Shechem, they also followed him. And Jonathan was in, Jotham was in hiding until, until he got, when he saw what was happening, he went up on Mount Gerson and he spoke to the men of Shechem and he told them, what you the, about the Brahma bush? And, yeah, and that's his way of getting over. God did not sanction Amalek as a God, as a king. Right. He was not behind him. And right. We don't see toward the end why. But <laughs> he, it, it, it wasn't. He wasn't. Right. And, and he wasn't fit to be. He had he had hired men. He had men that he had put in place to be in that strong leadership. So, you know, you talk about, you go back through the annals of history and you'll see wicked men and underneath of them are his minions that carry out all of his dues, you know. And you think about the, uh, the, the money that some of those men were paid to be able, you think about the mob and all that kind of things that takes place there. I mean, you, some guys are just the middlemen that just carrying out the big guy's stuff, you know, uh, because he's being paid to. Abimelech made sure that he was going to have power, and don't you dare say anything about it. And to, to make sure that no one was going to say anything about it, he killed his own brothers. Yeah. And they said that he was paid 
from the treasurer of Bell. Bell Yeah, and he was paid 70 pieces of silver, the same amount that, and some people think that, or that some theolo Baptist theologians, no, it ain't Baptist, but some of the Bible <laughs> theologians think that he might give each one of them a piece of silver. And For that. that. that time, that was a lot of coins, and yep. they would, a lot of them was looking for, looking for trouble. Right. And they found it, and they found it with Amalek. And right. they, he was their kind of right. uh, Satan, yeah. so to say. Yeah. Well, what happens when someone is in leadership that should not be is it causes evil for everybody. All right, any other questions or any other thoughts? Old Abimelech was that bramble. He was the bad. He was the evil. He was the bramble in the trees. Now, I wonder why they use that kind of uh, parable, the trees. I, I understand some trees are stronger than others and all that. But it, it's kind of strange that they'd use that parable. But. I don't know. They didn't ask me. They didn't ask me. <laughs> no. They didn't ask me either. <laughs> Do you suppose, preacher, that the, the trees would have listened? And, you know, he was using the, the illustration with the trees and everything. Just like the fig tree. If he took over and everything, he would have been producing figs. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I, I understand and everything. So and that was, that's not his job. His job is uh, fig trees and job as a job to do produce figs. Right. You know that's that's what I understand as the and the the king they wanted. He said no because God didn't tell him to do. That's right. That's right. He was waiting on God to tell him. That's right. Yeah, and it's that statement too is I mean I and I think that you're pro, you're right on the on the money with that idea of the parable, you know, you think about my job or your job as a Christian, we all fall into that somewhere. Yeah. We're all part of that. If we're a Christian, we're supposed to produce fruit. Yeah. And what is our fruit? You know, what is the fruit that we are producing? You know, what, what happens in a lot of churches and a lot of times as Christians, we're worried about the olive tree making sure that he's producing fruit and we're not worried about our own figs. You know, we, we're, you know, and then the olive tree um, is supposed to produce olives and the fig tree is supposed to produce figs, you know, and that's, and the vine's supposed to produce grapes. And so if the vine doesn't produce the grapes, we don't, it's not doing what's supposed to. And the fig doesn't produce the figs, then it's not doing what's supposed to. And if the olive doesn't produce the olive tree, then it's not doing what's supposed to. But the olive tree has its own job and the fig has its own job. And the vine has its own job. And, and just like in the church, as Christians, we all have our own job. We all have our own thing that we're supposed to do. We all have our own fruit that we're supposed to bear. I, the fig tree is going to produce fig. I mean, we have a job. And what happened was, is the bramble wanted to be the olive tree. And it wasn't his job to be the olive tree. See what it says in verse 15? Yes. The bramble, he said, he said, and the bramble said unto the trees, if in truth you anoint me king over you. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. 
Then come and put your trust in my shadow. That's right. And, who, get, and get stuck. <laughs> yeah. Well, who wants to who wants to have have put? That's right. That's right. That that bramble. You're not going to grow like it ought to underneath that bramble. You know, and as a Christian, we all, the Bible says, uh, uh, Galatians 5, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness. Against such, there is no law. So we have the fruit. Many times we put an S on that fruit, but there's no S on the fruit. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. So when we have the Spirit in us, he is going to produce the fruit of love and joy and peace. Well, maybe he's working extra hard on my long-suffering. Yes, he probably is, uh, and the different things that I'm going through. But ultimately, as a Christian, I'm supposed to produce that fruit. Uh, I'm supposed to be a fruit-bearing Christian, just like the olive tree. If, we don't have, if you have an olive tree that's not producing fruit, we, there's something wrong. You need to investigate why it's not producing fruit. As a Christian, we need to produce that fruit, and we need to be okay with producing olives if we're the olive tree. We need to be okay with producing figs if we're the fig tree. Uh, It it is important to make sure that we stay uh, where we are and make sure that we produce what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to produce fruit that other people can see, but we're also supposed to produce other people. What does that mean? We're supposed to produce the fruit of the... Tree is, I'm not going to quote it right. Uh, Proverbs 11, verse number 30, I think, or Proverbs 10, 30 says, let me get there and I'll read it. Um, Bible says, the fruit of the righteous is the tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. Now, as a Christian, our job is to produce other Christians. You know, as a Christian, that's what we're supposed to do. Here's and the problem. That's our fruit. Here's the problem. Yes, sir. Somebody can come down here and accept Jesus as their Savior and just boo-hoo and carry on. That's all fine and good. But if they just sit on their hind end and they don't want to talk to somebody about Jesus, they don't want to produce any fruit, what value is it? None. Because Jesus said to the tree that was did not bear figs, cut it down. It was his tree. Throw it in the fire. I mean, like you say, we're supposed to produce fruit. Right. And when we don't, or we don't have the want to, there's a problem. I don't give a flip how many times they you know, come to the altar and say, Ooh, baptize me again. Ooh, bad. I don't buy that. Right. Well, I mean, ultimately, the fruit bearing is placed on me. You say, What do you mean? I need to walk with him. If I don't walk with him, I will not produce fruit. You know, I'm not, I cannot make fruit grow. I can't. And just no more, no more than the man in the moon, no more than you can make a, a tomato plant. You better just stare it down harder. It's going to get, the tomato's going to get bigger. It's, it's not going to happen. 
And so I'm, I'm individually responsible for Trenton. That's the only person I'm individually responsible for. But my job as a Christian and my job as a pastor is to help encourage those like everyone here tonight. You know, why, why do we meet on a Wednesday night in the middle of the week? It's to help encourage, to help and strengthen our church, and then to strengthen you. To, so that you can produce more fruit. All right? And so, yes, I mean, sure, it's frustrating to have someone get saved and they never produce fruit. And look, I don't know, it, there's not one person in this room that I know is born again except Trenton Stevix. I'm the only one that's responsible to make sure that I'm saved. Right. And I'm the only one that's responsible to make sure that I produce fruit. And if someone don't produce fruit, that's up to them. And I can encourage and I can push and I can, let's do discipleship. Let's get involved and let's come to church and let's get more involved. And, you know, but ultimately, it's up to you. That's right. It's your choice. I mean, and you can be that fruit tree that doesn't bear fruit. The Bible says in, uh, I think it's uh, Corinthians, where Jesus is, where Paul is talking about the, the judgment seat. And how all of our works will be set on fire. You know that? Okay. So you have the wood and the hay and the stubble. And then you have the gold, silver, and precious stones. You have the, the six building materials that God gives us. And everything we've done will be put on fire and burnt. The wood, hay, and stubble will be burnt up into ashes. And there will be nothing left. But the gold, silver, and precious stones, when you put heat to gold and, and all that, it, it becomes better. It becomes more pure. But at the end, when, all that, when the dust is settled from the fire, this is what we will have to give to the Lord. Yeah. And the Bible says, there will be some saved, yet so as by fire. What does that mean? That means when they've done all they've done, and they've lived their life, and they've done all their works that they did, and they've put it on the platform for him to burn, there ain't nothing left. They're going to go to heaven with no, reward. with no rewards. But they're going to heaven. Yes. So that's like a, a Christian hobo. Drive <laughs> <laughs> the train, honey. Get on the train. If you've accepted Christ, you're born again, right? Brother Eddie, are you born again? Yes, praise God. Hallelujah. Do you want to go to heaven empty-handed? No. Exactly. Anybody that wants to go empty-handed, it's up to them. Free will. And God has given us that. It absolutely is. That tree... Has to produce fruit. And I can be the judge. That person ain't doing that, and that person. But I, I can't. I have to take somebody at their word if they're born again or not. Based on, hey, wait, I, you want to get down? I mean, I can. Well, that person ain't saved. That person ain't saved. I, I'm not the one who's going to do that. They're going to have to stand before God. They're going to have to be the one that puts their works on the fire. 
But if they're not born again, they won't be at that judgment. If they've not truly asked Christ to save them, they won't see that judgment. They won't participate with the works. The problem They'll be is, at the white throne judgment standing before God and he'll look them square in the eye and say, Depart from me, you worker of yeah, iniquity. I know, I know you the not. The problem is they're not persuaded that he's worthy of them wanting to produce fruit. We ought to all be. Oh, well, he made me a tree. But... It's up to us, right? They have to be persuaded. That's your job. Oh, no. Oh, yes. No, no. We have to seek out our own salvation. That's what the Bible says. We come here for instructions. The Bible says, Bible says the preaching of the Word of God is profitable for doctrine for reproof, yes. for instruction, yes. and uh, there's another one I'm missing there, for in righteousness. That's what, that's what my job is, is as a preacher, is to help encourage, to help strengthen the church, to help strengthen the brethren. And it's your, my, your personal responsibility. That's right. oh, it's like your responsibility. I want them to be persuaded. Yeah. I want them to want to grow and want them to want. Look, you should not be the same Christian you are in 105 years from now. You ought to be a better Christian than what you were. Yes, sir. Preacher, you do that when you preach. You persuade them to want to preach. Right. I, I'm trying to. You, but you are. Right. You, uh, as long as you put the word out there, it's left up to us to grasp it. Right. And run with it. Right. That's all your job is, to put the word out there. You can't beat somebody to death say, look, you better be saved. You better tie right. You better do this right. You, better, you can't do that. It's left up to the individual. That's between actually them and God. Right. right. You're putting it out there. Right. That's all. Well, the Bible says not, not only hearers of the word, but doers. but doers. There's many people that are in church and they hear it. But I do believe this, that there's many people in church that will come every Sunday that won't go to heaven because they're not truly born again. Right. But I think there's people out there in the world that are lost or that are born again that don't come to church. Because mm -hmm. church doesn't make you a Christian, doesn't make you saved. No. no. Baptism don't eat. Nothing does except asking Jesus to save you. Exactly. And it's nothing more and nothing less. But you know, preacher, when you there's no stipulations when you ask Jesus to save you. Right. He doesn't say you must do this, this, and this, and this. Right. And uh, like Romans 13 says, whosoever shall call upon the Lord shall be saved. Yeah. There's nothing else, no other thing you have to do is to ask Jesus to save you. Right. There's no stipulation right. where you must do this after you get saved. Right. Or, Right. But that four-letter word, C-A-L-L. -L. Call. Like he said, that's all you have to do. Call on his name. And he will save you. That's right. I mean, and we understand. You don't know. I mean, you know that. You've asked Christ to save you. You're born again. I mean, that. and what did it take for you? I mean, you know, I've seen people weep and weep and cry when they get saved. And I've seen people not shed a tear 
and get saved. I've seen it both ways. And you, I, one, one's more saved than the other? Absolutely not. One got more of the Holy Ghost than the other one? Absolutely not. You know, it's, it's not a feeling. You know, that's, that's the other thing that gets messed up. It, it, you know, salvation's not a feeling, you know. Woohoo, man, I felt good. I, I must be born again. No, uh, I, if you've accepted Christ as your personal Savior, if you've been when born again. something as big as Almighty God goes into you, bless God, you should know that something's moved in. Oh, yeah, you should. You should know. You should know. That's that peace that passeth all understanding that God can give us. That's right. It's going to be shown by your outward, by your outward things toward your fellow. Right, right. And when you really saved, you're going to have a different outlook. Our hearts are going to be changed. And if you are really and truly saved, you're going to live a little different life. Right. We're going to look toward our fellow man a little different. We're going to love our neighbor different. And I know you feel it in, a, in church. You feel it when you're close to a Christian. You can, you can feel it. Right. And uh, for we're saved by faith. That none of ourselves, that any man should boast. That's right. And not any works is involved in getting saved. <coughs> but in the same token. When you get the love of God within you, you're going to work. You're going to do works. And those works is what, what you'll see. Oh, right. It's just like if you and I go to the grocery store, and I, and I, tell, I give people this illustration when I talk to them about salvation. You and I go into the grocery store, Brother Eddie, and we've got a buggy full of groceries. We're splitting it half and half. I said it, Stacy. Oh, my goodness. I just said it. A buggy. I, and we, you, we're going to split it half and half, okay? Yeah. You're buying your half. I'm buying my half. Let's fill it up. And so we're planning to have this big steak dinner. We fill it up. We've got all kinds of stuff we're cooking. And uh, we go to checkout line. And all right, we go to step up. And I say, all right, watch out, Brother Eddie. I got it. No, 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 I got to pay. No, I said, I'm, I'm, I got it. So I pay for it. And we go outside in the, grocery, in, in, the, uh, in the parking lot. And I say, now look, I want to give that to you. I want to give that to you. No, I, I want you to have it. But you just bought it. I said, I know, but, it, but now it belongs to you. That, from that moment, you will feel, man, I owe that guy something. When you got saved, he took my sin that I had and my wrong and he took my sin upon him and he paid for my sin and I walked away scot-free with salvation. He paid for it. I don't owe him anything but I sure do owe him a lot. Truly, I owe him everything. He he don't owe us a plague thing. He doesn't. We owe him everything. That's right. That's right. And I, man, I owe it all. I owe it all to you, Lord. Yes. All I have is yours, yes, Lord. Yes, yes. Amen. Any other questions or thoughts? We'll close. I'm sorry I opened my pie over. <laughs> this is good, though. This is where you learn. You get to give your input what you think, and we'll see what. And nobody ever speak to me again. I think <laughs> We'll speak to you again, Brother Eddie. We love you. Uh, people can not talk about you. you do. <laughs> I got the paperwork right here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's talking about the cutting down the 
Right. It says it's one of the harshest things that Jesus says in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, he talks about he talks about that uh, that that fruit that tree that that he has to get rid of, and he, eventually there's there comes a time, there comes a time when you as a Christian you've went so far that uh, you know you all right that you come to a point God says that that's enough. I mean, he talks about that being the 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 child where God chasteneth, yeah. and whom the Lord loveth He chasteneth. If you're God's child and you think that you can live your life and do your own thing and live your own way, you, yeah, go ahead. But eventually your time's going to run out and uh, you're going to face the repercussions of you doing wrong and living wrong and being wrong. And God will punish us for being his child and living outward sin towards God. He will. Absolutely will. If you don't obey God, I, I, I look at it like this. If you don't obey God, that's the same as blasphemy. Yeah. God wants you to do something, and you say, "Who are you? I don't want to do that." <laughs> Put uh, as the uh, Bible says, I think in the Old Testament, a high hand to God. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do that to God. Yeah. Tell Him no. Tell God yes. What does God want for us to do? He wants for us to be the olive tree. If we need to be the olive tree, be the fig tree. If we need to be the fig tree. Be the vine. If God wants us to be the vine, every one of us play a different part. Make sure that we produce the fruit that God has intended for us to produce so that we can do what we're supposed to do as Christians. Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray. Lord, I love you. I thank you for tonight. Thank you for everyone that's here. I pray that you.